Welcome to Stepdad Success, turning the tide on the way stepdads are seen and show up in the world. We're a new breed of leaders raising leaders. Blood or no blood, we raise them as our own. We're connected, loving, and committed to leading them into the future. If you asked a normal dad, he'd say we're doing the impossible. He'd say, but they're not yours. How do you do it? Yet every day, stepdads around the world are forging the way. That's what we call stepdad success. We're leaders raising leaders. And these are our stories. G'day, this is James Clobassa from Stepdad Success. And today we've got another interview. Today's interview is with BJ Bench. And he is from Arkansas. Now, he's another one of these uh, Americans with an awesome accent. So he's actually got a background in chemistry, works for Tyson Foods as a chemist. And I'm sure we'll hear a little bit more about that, but he's also got two biological daughters and he's raising his cousin, which is a little bit different to the direct step, uh, step parenting role. But I wanted to get him on today so we can hear a little bit more about how he manages that as on as well as we all know people do often take in their relatives to look after them in times that get tough and certainly in that step parenting role i'm sure bj's got some stories to tell thanks for joining us today bj mate um yeah just really appreciate you you coming on i appreciate you having me on james tell me um BJ, just to kick us off, if you can give us a little bit more of a bio on yourself, just a little bit of background so we can just get an understanding of, you know, where you're at, who you are, that sort of thing, and we'll go from there. Sure thing. So, James, originally I'm from Oklahoma, from a small town called Allen. It's in the south central part of the state. Uh, They have a couple of convenience stores and a post office and a grocery store, and that's about it. about a thousand people in the town. I graduated with 26 people. And then from there, uh, I went on to southeastern Oklahoma State where I completed a bachelor's degree in chemistry and biology. And then from there, I was blessed to be accepted to Texas A&M University where I completed a PhD in chemistry with a focus on um, bioorganic, bioanalytical. And then Upon there, I was able to move back to Oklahoma. I actually moved back to my same house where I lived there in undergrad and, and worked at a plant research institute as a postdoctoral fellow. And about six years ago, about six and a half now, I ended up moving to northwest Arkansas where my now wife essentially gave me the ultimatum to move and moved up here. We ended up getting married and now I'm blessed to have a wonderful family, a wonderful career, and enjoying life in one of the most beautiful parts of, of the United States. Yeah, that's that's awesome, mate. Um, it's, gr- it's great to hear. I haven't been to Arkansas. Um, I'm kind of imagining farming country. Would I be correct there? Well, whenever people think of Arkansas, especially being from Oklahoma, so it's a neighboring state, we always thought of Arkansas to be full of hillbillies and you know, a lot of moonshine, just very interesting people. <laughs> but what's, what's, what's very unique, especially in Northwest Arkansas, and I never realized it being across the border, is Northwest Arkansas is one of the fastest growing areas in the United States. 
Uh, it's very unique. It's up in the in the Ozark Mountains, so it's hills, very beautiful countryside. And what's special about this place is you've got four large cities that have all essentially grown together now. You have Fayetteville, Arkansas, that has the the University of Arkansas has the Razorbacks. That connects to Springdale that has Tyson Food World headquarters, which is the second largest protein company in the world. And that connects to Rogers that has J.B. Hunt Trucking Company, which is one of the largest trucking companies in the United States. And then that connects to Bentonville that has Walmart and Sam's World headquarters. So you have this unique area with all of these major corporations and a large university. And so it's everything you can think of that you ever need within driving distance. Right. Wow. That's interesting. It lends itself to to big business and, like you said, distribution. Um, that's an interesting place to be. Ob- obviously, lots of uh, opportunity around that area. There is, and there's been a lot of unique things that the larger businesses have done, uh, especially Walmart having all of their their uh, manufacturers of products within driving distance or have small headquarters. And so it's, it's kept a lot of money and kept a lot of professional people in the area. And the area is just, just blossomed from this. And so there's a lot of professionals, a lot of money, a lot of growth all around. Mm, awesome. Wow. That's interesting. Tell me, um, so we'll just shift gears a little bit. So tell us a little bit about your family and how you've ended up um, in the current situation, you've obviously got two biological daughters and now a third one as well in the house. So I have two bios. I have Madeline Grace, Maddie, and she is four years old now. And then her sister is Caitlin Joy. We call her Katie. And she is now one. And their birthdays are May 29th and May 31st. So they almost have the exact same birthday. Um, and then I have my cousin, her name is Lauren, and she is now 16, and we have had her for almost two and a half years now. So she came here on February 27th, uh, 2015, and we've been very blessed to raise her these past couple of years and taking her in and nurturing her and helping her grow as a young lady. Mm, yeah, that's interesting. Um, as I was mentioning in the intro, just to, you know, a lot of people do look after, you know, family, you know, like extend, extended family members. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how that came about as, um, and just, you know, what what led up to that? Sure. So her father was my first cousin and he passed away almost 10 years ago now. And after that, uh, the girl's mother, she, uh, they were living in Kansas at the time and ended up moving to California and, and things went awry and Lauren ended up in the foster care system, uh, for unfortunate reasons. And we ended up finding out about it and we ended up reaching out and were able to get her and we actually had her sister as well for a short amount of time. And so we brought them to Arkansas from California. And, uh, due to unfortunate circumstances, her younger sister went back to California, is doing fantastic now. Um, and Lauren was able to make a decision for herself on whether she would want to go back to California or if she wanted to stay here. Uh, we have worked with 
our caseworker and the judge went forth to the judge and they were able to allow her, since she really hasn't had a choice in all the matters that have happened between her mother and with the state, she wasn't ever given that opportunity. And we felt like she had came here and earned and worked really hard. And she was granted that, that wish and she was able to stay with us. And so that's, her sister left after 15 months, and then Lauren's been here ever since. Yeah, right. I um, they're doing their relationship is strong and and going yeah. well, so everything's worked out for the betterment. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's a like it's a, it's a fantastic thing that you've taken on there. I talk a lot about on the podcast, you know, blood or no blood, we raise them as our own, and really, you know, for you. As an extended family member, they I guess they kind of are a little bit blood. Um, but at the same time, you know, taking on an extended family member it could be could be very tough, could be tricky. Um, I'm sure that there's a lot of events that led up to that, and it's obviously for the best. Tell me, you know, what you know. You're obviously a father. Um, you have your own biological daughters. Tell me, how was it bringing? Um, Lauren into the family and did you kind of automatically take on that fathering role or was it a little different to begin with? To be honest, you know, two years ago, two and a half years ago, I had, Maddie was almost two years old and having a new baby, then all of a sudden getting an instant teenager and a tween was life-changing. You know, it, no matter how much preparation and no matter how much thought that you put into the situation you're about to get into, it does, it does no justice. Uh, for me and my wife, you know, we've, we've had recent conversations just stepping back going, wow, if we would have known, known then what we know now, how much more preparation could we have done just to mentally prepare for taking on two older children? You know, we've, we have a baby. We're just learning how to, you know, try to keep this baby alive and not not kill her. And then all of a sudden we've got two older kids in our house going, oh, my Lord, the hormones, the drama, just everything just all new, just all of a sudden. And they don't come with a playbook. And they have their own unique personalities. And anybody, we've all been teenagers, and we know how hormones go and how we all acted. and all of a sudden you've got that in your house and then how do you manage that on top of both parents working and getting them in the school and and then just learning about them because yet they were my cousins. We didn't have a lot of interaction over the, the previous years leading up to the situation. And it's just learning and figuring them out and what do they need? What do they not need? And what all have they learned? What all have they been taught that's not right? And so all of a sudden it's just this mad rush of information and trying to just cipher through and trying to be that parent wrapped in to culminating all the parenting styles that they have been accustomed to and trying to adjust those to what you want and how you want to guide those children. It, it was it was tough and it's still tough today. It's, it's just every day it's modifying and adjusting. Yeah, I was going to say most um, men you know, fall in love with the wife and the, the wife comes with the, the extra kids um, in in the normal sort of stepdad role. 
um, either that or they have their own and you know, it's the mother that takes the, the stepmother role. But yeah, you're, you know, you were kind of, they didn't come with the, with the wife. They, they came as a, as a kind of a, a sideball. Um, tell me, how is, how's, like, how's that been as far as connection wise with her, you know, taking on that, that dad role? Um, because I would imagine it's almost more, more so like a, a friendship role at the start. Um, just getting to know them and how was that for you guys? What we have done and what we talked about since we had a small child and having these olders, my wife and I kind of did split duty. Whereas I was taking the, the older kids to all their events, all their activities while she was doing the more nurturing side, you know, with our, with our child, being the mother, being there. And that was difficult. You know, it was, it was really tough on me because I was having to be gone a lot because, you know, we wanted the kids to be busy in sports and activities and things that they enjoyed. But also that was good for my wife where she could have her time with the baby, continue the motherly nurturing role while she continued to get to know the kids. And so I was, I took the immediate father role, kind of guiding, directing. We'd all come together at family time. And then at night, you know, the, the the older girls would have their homework, have their stuff to do at the house while let my wife tend to to the baby. Um, when you when I look back at it, it was just an immediate father role because they haven't really had a dad. You know, my cousin he had passed, and they had had, had a really good stepfather who I had known uh, at the time. The, the parents had separated, and so I knew him. But from then on, I didn't know their their history. And from everything I heard, it wasn't all that great. Um, so it was taking that immediate grasp as a father and trying to instill in them what I expected of them as young ladies. At the same time, working with my wife and what she expected of them to be our daughters. And so it's kind of mixing and marrying all of that together at once, at the same time trying to get to know them without completely overwhelming them. And just throwing them into a big change all at once. So it, mm. as a, as a dad, you got to take that take that step back because as men, we want to just make change and we want to do it quickly. And it's you know, our way or the highway. But what we really have to do as fathers and nurturers is take that step back and get to know. And it's same with our own biological children; they're changing every day. As a dad, you got to take that step back and say, okay, why is my child emotional today? What is going on? Instead of just hitting it like a like a bull in a, in a china cabinet. Yeah, that patience becomes a, a virtue in those situations. And I can imagine with uh, Lauren you know, coming to you at that kind of teenage years, uh, there's probably a lot of interesting discussions happening at that time. How did uh, how did you navigate those kind of bumpy waters? Obviously, like you said, a lot of hormones in the house, and um, you know, you having to, you know, obviously give those father daughter talks about boys and all the rest of it. Oh, we've we've had some interesting ones. Uh, maybe one of these days you can have Lauren on, and she can she can shed some of the light onto some of the conversations <laughs> we've had. That'd be great. <laughs> but it, but but what we have to do. As men, whether it's our stepchildren or biological children, is you got to have the difficult conversations. 
Uh, a couple of stories I'll share. Lauren came to us, and you know we won't even go into all the technology things that we got to learn as dads. Maybe we can talk about that in a little bit. But there was she had started a conversation with an older boy at the time that she was in California, and we found all this out through social media. And it came about us just looking in, seeing who her friends were, who were making comments and stuff. And all of a sudden, my wife and I saw this puzzle kind of coming together. And, you know, we sat down with her and said, look, here's what we're seeing. We, we want you to tell us about this boy, you know, because from the looks of this, he looks older. And we'd heard her mention his name in the midst of the friends that, that she knew. And we didn't quite get the full story. You know, she's trying to kind of cover something up. You know, you can see those kinds of things. And I told my wife, I said, let's just tear her out and then let's just let it be and let's put our evidence together and, and we'll demonstrate to her. What's fascinating about my wife is that she actually has a master's in genetics, so she's a scientist. And she, today she's a statistician. And so we're big on data and we know how to get data and we like to put it together in, in great stories. And, and that's how we treat our kids. And right. so interesting. We, we, yeah. we put all this evidence. We put all this evidence together and, and sat down in front of her and said, "Look, here's what we know about this kid. We found out that he's over 18 years old. You're 14 years old, and they, they were just having conversations. He was one of these pieces that kind of kept her sane in the dark times. You know, she really didn't know any better. And so at that moment, we had a conversation about boys." And took away technology and started teaching her about the technology piece and how this one app called Kick that is completely untraceable can lead to so much destruction for for children, especially especially girls that can be preyed upon. And now the sidebar from this is I actually talked to this boy and you know the kind of the way the story culminates is I let her tell me more about him. I said, look, okay, he can be your friend, but we're going to have a talk. And I said, I want you to schedule a time with this boy on Sunday evening, and we're we're going to have a chat. And so we got on the phone, and I, I laid out everything to him. I said, you know, she's 14. I don't mind you having conversations, but if I find out anything's going awry or you're trying to be a sexual predator or doing anything like that, I will come pay you a visit, and we will have a face-to-face -face talk man-to-man. -man. And, you know, being right there and letting her see that, I think gave that first impression that, hey, he means business and that he's going to try to protect me from, from boys. And we had other instances with boys trying, you know, kind of establishing what zones boys could touch, you know, from the back, mid back up, what boys are trying to do when they put their hands on your knees, what they're trying to do when they touch the small of your back and what kind of feelings they're trying to to get with you and trying to get you excited and trying to make you want them and and having those conversations. We we sat outside here. Usually when we go on the back porch, it's usually for some serious conversations, which is where I'm at tonight. It's a beautiful evening here in Arkansas. And uh, we had a conversation about when a boy puts his hand on your leg, he's trying to run it up to your crotch and he's trying to get you stimulated and get you excited. And you can just see her eyes getting big and her jaw dropping and, yeah. You know, yeah. those are conversations that you can't be afraid of as a man to have with a daughter and let her know what what's really going on. We're, we've all been there. We've all been teenagers. Yeah. And 
we just want to try to protect the innocence as long as we can. But as men, we can't shy away from having those difficult conversations. I'm sweating bullets, and I'm just as nervous as can be trying to, to share this with a girl I don't even know wholeheartedly that's not my child. It's it's difficult. It's difficult as a as a dad, as a stepdad, just a dad. Period. It's your own biological kids to have those talks. Yeah, I think it's a it's a massive point that you raise there, Fj. Just the fact that a lot of guys, I don't think, um, grew up with that conversation. Like I know, as a guy, I wasn't like. I didn't have an ex- any sort of extensive sexual talk when I was a child. So heading into it, it's like, it's daunting. You know, I know I've got two little boys, you know, they're eight and 10 and, you know, girls are starting to be mentioned, you know, from school and little love letters coming home and that sort of thing. And they're conversations that I now have to face with no education. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a bloody important topic that, you know, most dads probably gloss over. Um, and I think that, you know, I take my hat off to you for broaching the subject and approaching it kind of with that, with a real, I kind of want to say professionalism to it. Um, I'm sure you're not professionally trained in having sexual talks with your daughter, but, you know, you have to approach it in a way that's, like you said, that's open and it's from a educational point of view rather than a, a controlling point of view. And that's one of the things that, you know, I was telling her, I was talking with you tonight. It's just like, you know, tell him about, you know, whenever I do get in trouble, how you, instead of just disciplining me, you're explaining things. And that, that's the best approach we can take with kids. You know, it, it kind of another stand on boys is to not be afraid to challenge her whenever boys start to like her. Sure. Or like start to like your daughters or your sons is get to know those kids, but then also don't be afraid if they try to overstep boundaries to confront the children. You know, and as guys, we can be, we can go, you know, we think of, okay, I got to go get this boy. I've got to grab him by the shoulders and just give him a piece of my mind. I think as a father and as a leader and what you want to show your children is sit down with them and have a conversation. I had one boy that, my daughter was staying the night with one of her friends and he had texted, Hey, why don't you stay tomorrow night and maybe I can sneak down and we can, you know, I can come see you. And she showed me the conversation on her phone because we have a strict rule now after boy number one I mentioned with the apps is you don't delete any conversations. If I find anything deleted, your phone's going away and there's going to be punishment with it. You know, and that's a whole other topic of staying on top of your children, knowing what they're doing, and just being part of their lives and showing them that you're engaged and that you care about them. You know, and with this boy, I got this con- got saw this conversation and she had a volleyball game the following night. And I said, here's the deal. You don't tell him anything about this because I'm going to have a talk with him about this. And if I find out that you do even mention that I'm going to talk to him after your game, your phone's going away for two months and We'll have, you know, some serious conversations about that. She let it go. And that night after the game, I told the young man, I said, come here, I want to have a conversation with you. You know, and I talked about him. I know you like my daughter. And I showed him pictures of the text message. And I said, look, these are things that you don't do with young ladies. And he really didn't have a father in his life. And I said, this is things 
that you don't do. And I said, you don't be secretive. I said, this is going to get you more and more in trouble. And I said, you know, from this, I want you to, to learn a life lesson, but then I also want you to think about what the potential effects would have been if she would have actually done, went through with this and what it would have done to her on my side. And then we would even be having a worse conversation. You know, it, and you can't be afraid as a man to sit down and educate and you know, after that, he went and apologized to him. I made him go apologize to my wife. I made him go apologize to my daughter to even put her in a situation like that. And that boy's learned a lesson. Yeah, wow. That's a uh, – wow. Like, as I said, I take my hat off to you, BJ. You're approaching this in a way that, you know, most men don't. And I, I can pretty safely say that because I don't hear many men talking the way you're talking. So, you know, as I said, I didn't grow up with any sexual conversation. You know, the only thing I got was, you know, don't don't come home, you know, and have to tell me, you know, someone's pregnant. That's pretty much my, the sexual conversation that's, that I had. That's what I got to make, make sure you always have a condom if you're going to do anything. Yeah. And it's, I mean, that's not, that's not, a, that's not an education. That's, that's, you know, inciting fear, you know. Um, but the way you're approaching it, I think, uh, you know, for any any guy listening to this um, should really be taking notes and and just, you know, thinking about how they're approaching their daughter, their son, um, everything like that. I, you know, I can, I can guarantee you I'm, ta- I'm taking notes on this because this is the stuff that I know I'll have to bring up with the boys in years to come. And... You do want to have, you do want it to be able, able to be a an open and two way conversation, rather than, you know, just a one way controlling conversation. Um, That's exactly right. Tell me what and how's Lauren responded to these conversations? Because um, it must be tough for her as well, just you know, being a teen, being a bit younger, probably. I would imagine her friends' parents may not be having these conversations in the same way. Um, How's she responding to all of this? She actually enjoys the way that my wife and and I parent her. You know, and a lot of this comes from my wife's support. You know, she and I, we're a great team. That's one of the things I'm blessed with as a wife, that we can have open conversations and say, you know, what what do you think we should do with this? And, And I'm one of those guys that, I like leading and I, I will go and, and do the hard work. And, you know, she's a great guide giving me a female's perspective on, you know, what does she know from her experiences? And she's able to share that with me and it translates into our daughters. And we have these same conversations. My four-year-old, she'll tell you today, if you were to get her on here and you say, you know, when, when can you get married? She'll say 32 years old after I'm done with school. <laughs> you know, and we're already having conversations about boys. And, you know, and she gets it. And it's, you know, it goes with having this conversation with my teenager has prepared me now to have a conversation with my four-year-old about sexual predators and what what to be on the lookout for for people. And, you know, that's one of the added benefits that I've seen from taking in an older child and how to translate that down to my younger children and how to communicate and how to talk with them and get on the, on the same playing field with them. And it's been interesting. I've learned a lot of lessons that I've had to learn quickly. Uh, but it, again, it all comes back to the mindset of I've got to step into this role 
and how do I do this effectively without even knowing this kid at all because I didn't raise this child. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, just shifting gears a little bit there, BJ, tell me, this seems to be like a, a topic for you, you know, this whole kind of sexual conversation thing, making sure, you know, that it is an open conversation with your, with your kids. Tell me, how did that come about? Like, why is that? It kind of seems like that's a bit of a focus for you. Um, how did that come about? Or was it, it, do you just see that as a natural natural thing that they're at that age and that's that's the topic of the, the time? It's really the topic of the time. You know, I was a teenager once and I was a guy who, you know, and part of my testimony is I wasn't the greatest guy. Uh, my now wife, you know, we were together for a few years while we were both in school and we did long distance relationships and I wasn't faithful at that time. And then life brought us back together and has made our marriage phenomenal. You know, and that's 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 just part of our story is how we've come back together. We I broke her heart and after a few years the good Lord struck me to my knees and I realized who was the, the right woman for me and Life led us back together, and, and now we're in this powerful marriage. We're a power couple, and you know, part of that is just my past. And you know, in this this day and age, it's hard to trust people. You know, you see all these horror stories on the news about you know people being abducted, all the sexual abuse, uh, even even people staying. You know, people who you trust let your kids go stay the night with you almost got to have a full interview with them and get to know them before you let a child stay there there's just so much danger nowadays it seems more and more prevalent and i think you have to make yourself and make your kids more aware of these these things that are out there sure yeah it's it is a it's as well it is a a topic that is you know kind of more and more prevalent both in the news and just in discussions but yeah i as i say and i'll reiterate it you know dads need to be having these conversations with their kids and i think the way you're approaching it is you know admirable and you know it's something other dads need to be listening to right now i'm yeah i i didn't know the conversation was going to go in this direction but it's a great direction and um, you know, it's, it's valuable. I'm, you know, I'm, I really appreciate you sharing because it's, it's a valuable conversation for, for other stepdads and other dads out there that are listening. Um, yeah. And to go back to your question about how she's taken this, I, I probably danced sure, around the yeah. subject and ended up on something else. No, that's okay. Yeah. She has gained so much respect for us as parents and it's opened up communication to where she can come and tell us anything. You know, yeah. and if, if a boy is starting to like her, we're getting more engaged, she's learned the right questions to ask about boys. Because in this day and age in technology, I've got all kinds of stories, but, you know, with technology, kids get to know each other through text messages. Not yeah. like when we were kids, when you had to pick up the phone, have a phone conversation all night long, or make arrangements to go see them in person, have your parents drive you somewhere. Now everything's done with technology, and they don't really know each other. And that's, and that's, we've we've had some life lessons in that. And now she's learned how these social skills to go out, get to talk to people more, and she's gained so much. And 
she's matured so fast that whenever I look at all of her friends, she's just on a different playing field just from us being able to talk about these things and, and having those hard conversations. But she has enough respect now that she, and enough knowledge that she can come to us no matter what and tell us anything, and we're going to listen, and we're going to work through it and teach her. Instead of just saying, oh, this is our way, you go do it this way, we can have a conversation around the topic. Mm, sure, sure. Tell me, um, on the flip side, what is the, what's been the big sort of shift for you? What have you had to learn or let go of that, you know, in all of this? Um, what's been the big thing for you? For me, I've, I've grown as a, as a leader of the family. It's, allowed me to step up and realize there's there's even more in life and getting to enjoy kids you know when I look at look at her situation and I think about her father a lot you know and and trying to see things from his perspective on how to make him proud of his daughter and how to lead her to be something that he can be proud of you know not so much for what I'm doing but more on what she's doing uh, so that's been fulfilling to watch her grow. She's been very successful, straight A student. Uh, she's a starter now as a junior on a high school volleyball team. It's one of the larger schools in the state. She's made a top choir. And so she's, she's culminated a lot of success through her own hard work. And, you know, it's, it's fun being that kind of leader and stepping back and just seeing the fulfillment in her. And let her see the things that she can accomplish coming from the situation that she was in. Uh, you know, for me, it's it's given me a lot of perspective on how to raise my my younger children and the things I need to do today to set them up for success as well. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, like, tell me, you know, what what's one thing that you've had to let go of? Like, you're obviously you. Yeah, you go. Oh. I've let go of a lot of hobbies. <laughs> Having <laughs> children, you know, it's it's a full time job because my 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 job as a father is I when I leave work and come home, you know, work's always there twenty four seven. But when I come home, I'm engaged with my children, and and that's what I enjoy the most. On weekends, it's about my kids. Uh, for me, I'll I'll have my hobbies later in life. Now it's just enjoying my wife and my family. And that's what people see me as every day is whenever I leave work, it's time to come home and be with the fam. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I haven't given away a lot. I've gained a lot more. That's the way I look at it. Sure. Okay. Like, um, yeah, wow. Do, do you have another story? Like, I'm kind of curious. I want to keep delving into this conversation um, a little bit, but can you share another story with us, you know, maybe about a different conversation that you've had uh, with Lauren that might be able to, you know, assist some of the other dads out there listening? <laughs> oh, you just want some of the more funny ones. All right, I'll give you a good one. About <laughs> yeah, give us a good one. <laughs> All right, so so technology is, is, sadly, it's the devil of existence because everybody's always plugged in, even as parents. Oh, I've, I've had to learn just to put my phone away, put it aside, put it, keep it in my pocket, not to be checking email, social media, all that junk. But with kids nowadays, they're fully engaged. They got Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, all, all the other junk. And so what we've had to do is 
pretty much she stays in trouble so she can't have Instagram where we keep it that way because with with all the schooling and everything, they get so distracted. Uh, and so we've learned to pull all that away to try to minimize that. But one of the things that we saw, especially with, uh, with boys in particular, is just the text messaging. And we had a boy that she was talking to, well, it's been all of them actually, is they always get to know each other by text message and not have phone conversations. And we started seeing, I wanted to see how many text messages were being sent in a day. So my wife being the statistician she is, we were able to take all the phone data, put it into Excel. She was able to, to make some pivot tables and we were able to see all the phone numbers and how many text messages, what times a day. And we can, we can track those kinds of things. Uh, right. She's going to listen to this. She's going to start learning our methods. But we, we take the data, <laughs> and and we're able to say, okay, so here's how many times you're talking to this person, this person, this person, and lay it out there and say, look, you know, you're kind of talking to this boy a lot, and oh, by the way, your grades have kind of slipped, and so we tie those things together and say, okay, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be limited to 25 text messages a day. And you think about that, James. How many times do you send a text message or see people texting? And you, her, her, she's sending hundreds a day. Yeah, I was going to say. Be imagine limited twenty-five. Yeah, I was going to say you see people sending a lot, and I, I don't actually send that many. But I can imagine for a young kid, um, like I remember when I was sort of eighteen, twenty, you know, text messaging had just come in. You know, you'd, probably in my mid-20s and 30s, I was sending a lot of text messages each day. So 25, yeah, you're cutting them off there. <laughs> you're, you're certainly you're limited, the li- the limiting, limiting the flow, yeah. And so we had done this, and we said we're going to be checking every day, and you get 25 to your friends, you know, including a boy that, that you liked. I said you can text, you know, me and your mom as much as you want. That's fine. And I said, we want you to start engaging in these conversations. And I did this for for one reason only, and that was to watch and see what he would do. Because when you put kids in this situation where they got to become social, they they don't have those skills yet. And so, you know, she had told him this, and his immediate reaction was, I don't like to talk on the phone. I like texting. Mm. And so sure. I kind of let that go for a day, and then, then we sat back down and, What's funny is we have this little tykes table and chair set. It's got these little mini green chairs that are for, for toddlers, and that's our chair of trouble. So when we're going to have some, some real conversations, that green chair will be out, and she'll sit down in it, and we'll have these conversations in this chair. <laughs> so this night, I pulled out the green chair, and she saw it, and she's like, oh, what did I do? I said, no. It's like you sat down on the couch. So I sat down in this green chair, and and we started having a conversation. I was like, look, I owe you an apology because I have failed at keeping track and watching you and trying to teach you these social skills that you need. I said, I've failed you as a father in watching you and developing you because I watch you because in order for you to succeed in society is you've got to be able to have conversations, be able to talk to people, and you can't do it through text messaging. I said, these are the things that I should have taught you then. And she's just looking at me like, okay, you know, where is this heading and, and what are we doing? And then I also took that conversation and said, look, if I was your boyfriend or a boy that liked you, 
my first response would have been, I'll do anything that your dad says. Instead of saying, yeah. well, I don't like doing this. I said, this is not a good sign today. It's like, you know, you're not ready to have a relationship with this boy. You know, maybe 10 years down the road, maybe fantastic. I was like, but these are signs that you need to pick up today. And I said, you know, when I see these things, to me, this is a, a warning flag of what could come later. To me, this is whining. We don't, I don't like whining. I said, now, Lauren, let me put you in this situation. And I, as she was sitting there and I touched her knee and I said, look, I said, what if, what if you're somewhere with a boy and, and he says, Lauren, I really want to kiss you. And you say, no, he's, he's going to keep pressing on. Oh, but Lauren, I really, really want to kiss you. And she's kind of like, okay, I guess I said, well, Lauren, what if you're with a boy sometime? And, you know, and I'm looking at her in the eyes. I said, look at me. I said, look at me in the eyes. I said, a boy's going to say, look me in the eyes one day. He said, he just want, I just want to have sex with you. Will you have sex with me? And her eyes got big, and I was like, and then she's like, I'll tell him no. And I said, but what if he goes, oh, Lauren, I just, I'm so sad. I just really want to have sex with you. It'd make me feel so much better. And she got it then. She was like, you know, I don't need, I need to be looking for these signs of boys. Sure. Someone that, you know, that I can have that kind of connection that is more mature that, so I'm trying to set her up to be able to gauge and and judge a man, especially in the future as she's trying to find somebody to be with and settle down with. BJ, I think so that was that was a I, fun one. Yeah, BJ, I think that's amazing stuff that you're doing. Um, like honestly, you should write a book Thank and you. you know you should be that thing should be a bestseller because the like just the wisdom that you're imparting on this call is is super valuable. I want to ask you two things, and I don't know whether you're going to have answers for them, but I want to kind of put you on the spot. Um, is there uh, like a, any apps, like the little apps they get on the phone, that you would recommend either for for parents or not recommend that your kids have? For parents, one that my wife and I have found is Life360. And it's a good one to have for traceability and tracking because whenever they're driving, it allows you to see where they are, when they've left places. And we have a rule that when when she's leaving the house or going somewhere, she texts us that she's leaving. Hey, guys, sure. I'm leaving the house. Hey, I'm leaving school. Hey, I've made it home. Uh, this This app also gives a little bit of security, but you can also track and trace and see where they've been. And there's some other apps out there for kids or for, for tracking teens. Uh, for toddlers, you know, we have a YouTube Kids instead of letting them on regular YouTube. Um, that's been a good one. And that, there's quite a few good articles out there on on ones to get for preventative measures. Sure. Uh, apps not to have. I think parents need to be informed on what all apps their kids have and what they really do. You know, for instance, the Kick app that I learned about very quickly was was a way to meet people and a way to go have sex with people. You could text and say, hey, does anyone, do you want to kick? And that man go hook up or send pictures to each other. Uh, so there's a lot of those things out there that kids can get into very quickly if their parents aren't engaged and knowing what they are. You know, same with direct, or same with uh, Instagram and direct messaging, Facebook Messenger. All these things you cannot trace. As a parent, you know, like they can send all these messages and things behind the scenes, whereas with text messaging, those show up on your phone bill. 
And so oh. you're able to see those. So we don't allow messaging apps. Um, just, you know, yeah, she's 16. We we trust her in a lot of ways, but she's still 16 years old. And teenagers do a lot of stupid things. And we can't be naive enough as parents to just trust them willingly. And she's a great sure. kid. Phenomenal. But in the end, it's just going to take one little mishap that can lead down a rabbit hole. Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, the second um, thing I was going to ask uh, was, do you have one or two really practical things that dads could either implement or talk about with their children? I think the first thing that every dad needs to do is, is assess the current situation and understand where their kids are based on their age, based on what's been going on. And as a dad, you can't go in it just full bore. You've got to, to get to know, you know, you, you see a lot of disconnect with fathers today. And it's, it's establishing that reconnection and doing it in a way that's not going to harm the relationship. It's not easy to sit down and have those hard conversations if you haven't established that connection and had smaller conversations leading to this big conversation. A lot of it will be where men will just sit down and we're going to talk about the birds and the bees right now. And then it just scares the kid to death. And they're going to shut down and they're not going to listen. And then as a dad, you're going to get frustrated. And you're just going to try to say, well, this is just the way it is. And you got to take a different approach nowadays. Um, so my recommendation is it's just get an overall sense of where your relationship is. And if your relationship's established good enough to where you can have those, think about having those conversations today, whether they're 10 years old, eight years old, and just start building up because soon, you know, we're going to blink and they're going to be teenagers and there are going to be other opportunities for them to to run into potential issues, whether it's with sex, whether it's with drugs, whether it's with alcohol. You know, we've had conversations around all of these fronts, not just talking about sex. Is having the effects of drugs, what the effects of alcohol is, um, and cigarettes, and all of these things that, that kids can get into very easily and very quickly. And it's, it's just finding that, that sense of balance in your relationship, but then also having the courage to go and have those conversations. As men, we get all knotted up in our stomach and we'll just be short and sweet and walk away. And you can't do that. You've got to be able to to have that conversation in depth and don't be afraid to screw it up. A lot of these conversations, I have forgotten to say a lot of stuff, a lot of things that I had worked through in my head I want to say. And then I go back and say, hey, I told you something wrong or I forgot to leave something out of this conversation and just follow up and, and be willing to admit that mistake. I told you the story about me getting in the green chair and admitting my mistake to my child. You know, open heartedly, and she saw me as a human being, not only, you know, as that, but also somebody that can admit mistakes. Because as dads, we're held up on this pedestal really high. The same with mothers, we're held on this pedestal very high. And we're always afraid of failure. And it's okay to fail because that's how we learn, that's how we grow, and that's how we move on to our next conversation or the next thing that our kid's going to get into. And that's how we, how we get to be there as parents. Mate, I am I'm so glad I got you on today. This has been an awesome discussion. Um, really appreciate you sharing. And you've just 
yeah, laid down some wisdom there for guys of all ages, really, um, just to take on board and, and start implementing with their kids. So I will wrap it up now, but, mate, I just want to say a huge thank you for sharing and you know, really appreciate you being on today, VJ. James, I appreciate you having me on and appreciate you letting me tell some fun stories and sharing some nuggets for men. And I appreciate what you're doing for, for stepdads and for guys like me. You know, I, I listen to, to your podcast and uh, follow you on, on Facebook, and you've got a lot of great things. So, so men, follow James. He's doing a lot of great things. Appreciate that, PJ. Thank you, mate. And thanks again for being on today. Would you like to learn more about how stepdads across the globe are joining forces in raising the next generation of leaders? Then head to www.stepdadsuccess.com and grab all the show notes plus a copy of the brand new tactical guide for creating more happiness, health, wealth and wisdom as a stepdad. And if you liked the podcast, please share it with other stepdads you know and leave us a review on iTunes. Again, that's www.stepdadsuccess.com for all the show notes and tactical guide. Come and join the new breed of stepdads, the growing group of leaders raising leaders.